for our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, We Are As Ambassadors for, God, uh, for Christ. Mr. Andrews, where did you go? Oh, here. There you go. There's a question mark down the end of that. Okay. J. Christopher Stevens was the ambassador of the United States to Libya. He and three others gave their life, and I believe they figured out just recently that it was a terrorist event. Today it's not my position to try to figure this all out. What I did want to to mention because of the fact that America has embassies, consulates all over the world. And for those ambassadors and those that serve in those different countries, they know that whenever they take on a position in a country that has turmoil like Libya, like Iraq, I don't even think we have one in Iran, but many, many areas in the world, they know that there is a potential for them to be in grave danger. Those positions that these men take are for bringing the American way of life to these countries and also and sometimes for spying on the countries and different things that they have and also to help the Americans that might come to visit those countries. So it's an honor for these men to take that position. And they're usually appointed by a president for a term as ambassadors and various other positions in those embassies in the different countries. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, in verse 20. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do we have the same feeling of the service for Christ? And we know that sometimes we also take our lives in our hands because the past has shown that many have sacrificed, have been sacrificed for the name of Jesus Christ. It isn't, it's one of those things that I think is a very powerful and wonderful thing to understand that God has chosen us for many, many reasons. And while we're on this earth, and while we have that responsibility, the Bible says, we are his ambassadors. Let's look at now at, let's go up a little further up here. In verse 17, he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given 
to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, Paul is talking about him and in, in, in their ministry, but it is to all of us to spread this message of the good news of the kingdom of God, of this reconciliation that, that the Father, through Jesus Christ, is spreading throughout the whole world. And one day, as David was saying, the feasts that will be upon this earth, it will be a part of everyone's life. We have that beautiful and wonderful opportunity as ambassadors for Christ to live that way now in preparation for that kingdom of God. And as we are able, as we are able to preach this message, to preach this gospel, to get this message to everyone. And I imagine as an ambassador, that's one of the things that they they do in these countries is to, to bring out the, the American way of life. To promote America. And so as ambassadors for Christ, we are to promote Jesus Christ and this way of life that He has given us. One of those ways, of course, is to live this life and to be an example to others. Let's pick it back up here in verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I asked myself the question as I was studying this, well, when, when do we become ambassadors? When, when does this happen? When, when is this official title, Ambassador of Christ, come upon us. Let's turn to Acts, the second chapter. Everyone knows this. He says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the time in which we receive that ambassadorship. We receive that at our baptism. And from that day forth, we are Christ's, and we are God's, and we are their representative. And for that reason, our lives need to reflect Jesus Christ in what we do. You know, I know that Probably in the past there have been um, ambassadors and different men who have served who have not represented America in the, in the light that they should have or they had had some kind of thing. But when God calls us and calls us to be his representative, we are to take that seriously and do the best we can to become his representatives and his ambassadors. In Matthew, the 21st chapter, because we are Christ's ambassadors, Christ was God's ambassador here on this earth, beginning in verse 33. And this parable he gave because of the things that he knew was going to happen to him. And he told the parable of, of himself. Here another parable, there was a certain householder, verse 33 of chapter 21, which planted a vineyard and hedged it around about, 
dig the wine press in it, and build a tower and let out uh, and let it out to uh, husbandmen, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And again he sent his servants more than the first, and they did to them likewise. But last of all, he sent them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is, uh, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him into the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those husbandmen? And they say to him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let his and, and will let out his vineyard to other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. They even answered him back because they understood that question. And Jesus said and then, Did you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and this is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say I to you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth fruits thereof. It's an interesting parable. And, and it really hits home when we think about our representation and our, our, how we represent Christ on this earth. But it also shows that Christ was God's ambassador here on the earth. So we follow Christ. Let's go back now to, to uh, 2 Corinthians as we pick this back up again. These two chapters here are very, very profound. Uh, 5 and 6. And they help us to understand this concept of, of being an ambassador and the other things that we'll bring out here today and examples of those who have already gone past uh, and who have lived their lives and now are waiting for the resurrection, who have also served in a capacity in representing God and Jesus Christ. Now, in the 20th verse here, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Be you reconciled to God. It, it, it's interesting that that word um, beseech means, I beg you. I beg you. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is very interesting and very profound. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made right, the righteousness of God in him. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, we are commanded, Jesus commanded us, all who come to this way, to do this. He says, <clears throat> in verse 18, Jesus came and spoke unto them, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. All power is given to Jesus. 
We serve a very powerful Savior if all power in heaven and earth has been given to him. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Brethren, that's why this book is our diplomatic, um, I don't know how to put it, um, Bible, I guess, in every way. It is the Bible, but it's also for us ambassadors. This is what we live by. This is what we teach by. This is what we go by in every way. And so whenever we go out, as David said, and he had the opportunity to, to talk to someone, and maybe others do too, this is where we get the information for the hope that we have for the kingdom that's coming to this earth. As we represent that kingdom, as well as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that will be coming back to this earth. In Luke, the fourth chapter, as I just mentioned, Jesus emphasizing this as he was battling Satan, very hungry, very much, but yet very powerful. Because see how he fights this being. Being now 40 days, verse 2, tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended afterwards, he was hungered. And the devil said unto him, If you be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made to bread. And Jesus answered, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus emphasizing from Deuteronomy the importance of the word of God in our life. It is our diplomatic portfolio. It is everything that we need to represent Jesus Christ here on this earth. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew 5. Sometimes and someday we may face this. We've had it very, very well in this country. Um, there's, seems like there's increasing persecution. Things that are changing in this world that we live in, things that are changing in the society so that we can't preach the message as powerfully, maybe, as we would like to, to convert those who are living in sin. Because one of these days, I think they're going to put laws in the United States like they have in Canada and other countries that's going to make it more difficult. But Jesus says in verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For my sake. So when those persecutions come on and we're in a, in a situation like that and we preach the word 
And we teach the word in that way that might offend or might cause a problem. He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And which that example, that parable that Jesus gave was also looking back at the prophets as they had come, one right after another, and, and they had been killed because of the message that they had brought. Let's go back to Second Corinthians again to, to reread and finish this up here, 20 and 21. Verse 20 again. Now we are the ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be you reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our representation is to Christ and he has done for us something so profound and given us that opportunity to be his ambassadors on this earth. Sometimes we wonder why, because as we look at 1 Corinthians, uh, the first chapter and verse 26, we understand where we come from. Sometimes when you look at the ambassador's uh, portfolio, their, their background, they usually are college graduates with some... Um, uh, some area of expertise in um, uh, diplomatic service, uh, foreign service, something in that area. And some of them have a very long portfolio and others don't, don't have much. Sometimes we wonder, with the greatness that God has given us, the, the, the tremendous blessing that he has called us to, why? Well, it says here in 1 Corinthians that Paul was inspired to write this both for encouragement and also to put us in the place to understand what it's all about. In verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, <clears throat> not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world, and things which are despised as God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are. One of these days, we're going to go up before these ambassadors, the presidents, the kings of the world, and they're going to ask for our portfolio, our background. And we can stand and we can say, we were chosen by God through Jesus Christ. That's the only portfolio that we need. That's all we need to tell them. And that will be more than sufficient. <laughs> that will be more than sufficient. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That's the important part of this. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. The point being, it is not us. It is God that is calling, that we represent 
the greatest power in the universe. And we have such a tremendous opportunity. There are those who have gone before us, a great number, who have sacrificed their lives. Sometimes they had easy lives, like sometimes we've had. But others have had terrible things that they've had to go through. Hebrews gives us a little window into those that have gone before us. Hebrews 11, beginning in 32. And what shall I say? Now, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and of his prophets. Hebrews 11, verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting the deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. It's a very difficult book, but uh, you know, the uh, book on martyrs uh, is one in which you can look and see. What, what's the, for the name of it, Lawrence? Uh, huh? Yeah, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Men have gone through horrible pain and trials and tribulations and not renounced the name of Christ. Just as it said here. That they may, may obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of cruel mocking, scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in the dens and the caves of the earth. And these all having retained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. That is a tremendous hope. All of us waiting, all waiting for that day, that resurrection of the dead, Two examples. I just picked two. I mean, there's so many examples in the Bible. So many that would be very interesting and profound. And how they lived and how they represented God and how they represented this way of life. In Jeremiah, a very special calling Jeremiah had. The words of Jeremiah, verse 1 of chapter 1, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in the uh, in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of jo uh, Josiah, king of Judah, and at the end of the eleventh year of Jedekiah, the son of jo Josiah, king of Judah, in the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth, uh, fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, What a calling. Maybe he knows all of us this way. He said, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. 
Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And the Lord said, Say not, I am a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. And it's interesting how the, he put this, to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down. And then what we have surmised from, Jerem, uh, from Jeremiah's work is that there was a building and to planting. There was a building and a planting. After all of the tearing down, there was a building and a planting. In the book of Daniel, just there's so much in Daniel you could you could spend the whole time in this one, and I really enjoy this book so much, and I've gone through it before. But even in captivity, even in the situation of captivity, we can serve Christ. We can be an example. Hopefully, that won't come. I hope and I pray that we can stay free. But the Bible seems to indicate someday that that might happen to even this wonderful and beautiful nation. How we would get into that situation, I don't know. But the Bible does seem to indicate that that day will come. And the world will go into a, a, a period of darkness. Daniel was a captive. He was an alien in a foreign country. But he didn't let that stop him, did he? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his gods, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his god. And the king spoke to Asphanaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed, in other words, of the royal family. So, Dave, uh, so Daniel and the other three were all of the royal family and of the princes, children to whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach uh, the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So let's immerse those kids right away. Just as soon as we get them, we're going to put them through our training. We're going to change their minds. And the king appointed to them daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and that is their Hebrew names, or Jewish names, and to whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave to Daniel the name of Belteshazzar. If you go look these up, they're all the names of their gods, the Babylonian gods. So not only do you convert their minds through their teaching, their Chaldean language, but you pervert them through the names that you give them. You immerse them in this culture, this Babylonian culture.
But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I wonder where he got that information from. <laughs> now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse lightning than the children which of, <clears throat> of your sort? Then uh, shall you make, uh, make him endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Prove your servants, I beseech you. Ten days, let them give us pulse. In other words, let's just eat vegetables and water. Let's see what happens. Then let our countenance be looked upon before you, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the kingdom's meat. And as you will see, deal well with your servant. Deal, deal with your servant. So he consented to them and this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which had eaten the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in their learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And you know, God was with him all the way through with Daniel. And with those other three who became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As we know those through the songs and different things. They represented the truth. They represented God in the way, and they were used in a powerful way in that kingdom and in another kingdom. Daniel was able to be a representative in both kingdoms. He was a true ambassador in alien lands of the kingdom of God. And we have that example in the book, in our Bible. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And let's begin in verse 1 as we see something that Paul is teaching us here. He says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So even though we represent God here on this earth, we understand that there is a, a place for us in his kingdom. There is a change that we coming. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. As ambassadors, we really are very appreciative of the, what God is teaching us through his word and the hope that we have in the kingdom. Now, he that has wrought us for a selfsame thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of his spirit. 
Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So that's a part of our life. We walk in faith. We look forward to the kingdom of God. We know that he has these promises set aside for us. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, which is the faith chapter, there are many tremendous examples. But couched within those examples is a very interesting set of scriptures here. And they begin in verse 7 and 6, 7 and 6, and then verse 13 to 16. Uh, uh, 6 and 7, or 1 through 6, I'm sorry. I'll get this right yet. <laughs> I can't even read my own writing. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Let's see. And I want to stip, skip over here to... Um, for he... Uh, talking, about, uh, talking about Abraham. For he looked for a city which has its foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to receive, conceive seed and was delivered a child when she was past her age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which are by the seashore innumerable. He says, These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. That's where we are right now, brethren. That's where we are. As we read the scriptures, as we look in here, we see the promises. They seem far off, but they're going to come, and, they're going to be a, and we're going to be a part of that kingdom. They were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly, that they seek a, a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they had come out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city, New Jerusalem, our abode for eternity, forever. Let's go back to Second um, Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and pick it back up here in verse, let's pick it up in verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may accept it of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone may receive, uh, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to to that he has done, whether they be good or whether they be bad. We hope that everyone that re appears will have only good. That God will reward us with great things. Let's see, I think that was... Uh, where we? Let me uh, now pick it up. Uh, well, let's continue on. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord or the fear of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I trust also made manifest to your consciousness, for we commend not ourselves again to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may also, that you may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in the appearance and not in heart. For whether we be 
Beside ourselves, it is God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That he died for all, that they which lived should not hereafter live to themselves, but to him which died for them and rose again. That's our part, that we might live for Christ. Wherefore hereafter know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now hereafter know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's skip down here to chapter 6 real quick, just one verse. When then, as workers together with him, we then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he says, I have heard you in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation have I succored you. Behold, now is that accepted time. Behold, now. And it is a day of salvation, but for us, it is the day of salvation. Those who have been baptized, it is the day of salvation. There are the final words of Jesus Christ that we read. And because we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and because he has set us an example with his life and his coming to this earth and his death and the things that he has left us, his words that are so powerful, it's important as those ambassadors to listen to the words that he prayed for us on his last hours on this earth. And I know I've read this before, but I think it's appropriate for this particular message. And we read it every year, but it's so profound. And in the, in the context, in the context of this ambassadorship, the words that Jesus speaks here, think about this as um, how we are to relate to God, how we re relate to one another, and how we are to relate to the world that is not saved yet. As Jesus prays to the Father, let's read. These words spoke Jesus and lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may, be glorif may glorify you. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I've gloried, I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And oh, and now, O oh Father, glorify you, me, with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men which you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. For I have given to them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from you, and they believed that you did send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, 
for they are yours. Take this personally, brethren. This is, this is, this is our leader. This is the one that has called us to the, to, to the ambassadorship. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ through, G, through the Father. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with uh, them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those that you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come, uh, now come I to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of this world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. And it's interesting. That's exactly what ambassadors do. They go into those countries, don't they? And they set up an embassy there, and they represent um, America. I mean, if they didn't want that job, they could have stayed in America couldn't they? But they are representing this nation. Just as we are here and the temple of the, of the living God lives in us and we are the representatives on this earth. And that's who these, the people of this world see. They are not of this world even as I am not as, of this world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth, the word of God. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. Down through the ages, down through the ages, this word has come down and been preached and taught and others have followed and believed and understood and wanted to be an ambassador for Christ. Willingly wanting to be an ambassador for Christ. That they all may be one as you and Father are... Uh, Verse 21, I probably missed one here, but I'm going on. And I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect, complete, perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and, have, and these have known that you have sent me. I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me 
may be in them and I in them. Brethren, as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, it's important that we show forth our willingness to live in that way, live that way. It is important that we also learn this word that whenever we come to a situation where we might find another that would be willing to become an ambassador that we are able to help them. We look forward to that day when we can see the glory of the Father and the Son. And we will fulfill all that we have set out to do as His children and ambassadors on this earth.